all you have. You are now tuned in to Hawkins Ways. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, fellow Star Wars fans? How is everyone doing today? I hope everything is good. I hope everybody's doing well. Nothing really new on my side of the galaxy. You know, work, work, and some more work. That's just life. Got to go to work every day. But what's new in the Star Wars universe? Well, a new Star Wars The Clone Wars trailer was just released. This is the final season of the Clone War animated series. That's something that we really haven't talked about on this podcast. Well, for anyone that doesn't know, there were six seasons of The Clone War when production stopped back in 2014. And they kind of left it a little open. They didn't really finish it out. But now they're going to do one more season to wrap things up. 12 episodes, but it still gives us something to watch, which is some good news for fans of the series. The first episode is scheduled for February on Disney+. And if you are a fan of the show, this might be worth the money to get. Plus, you can watch The Mandalorian and all the other wonderful Star Wars stuff as well. But enough about all that. We have a book to cover, and there's a lot going on in this book. After listening to the last episode, you get a sense of urgency and want to listen to more. At least I did. So without wasting any more time, let's get to it. Lord Scourge raised the hood of his cloak as he stepped off the shuttle, a shield against the wind and pelting rain. Storms were common here on Drummond Koss. Dark clouds perpetually blocked out the sun, rendering terms like day and night meaningless. The only natural illumination came from the frequent bursts of lightning arcing across the sky. But the glow from the spaceport and nearby Koss City provided more than enough light to see where he was going. The powerful electrical storms were a physical manifestation of the dark side power that engulfed the entire planet. A power that had brought the Sith back here a millennium before, when their very survival had been in doubt. After a crushing defeat in the Great Hyperspace War, the Emperor had risen up from the tattered ranks of the remaining Sith Lords to lead his followers on a desperate exodus to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Fleeing the Republic armies and the relentless revenge of the Jedi, they eventually resettled far beyond the borders of Republic-charted space on their long-lost ancestral homeworld. There, safely hidden from their enemies, the Sith began to rebuild their empire. Under the guidance of the Emperor, the immortal and all-powerful savior who still reigned over them even after a thousand years, they abandoned the hedonistic lifestyles of their barbaric ancestors. Instead, they created a near-perfect society in which the Imperial military operated and controlled virtually every aspect of daily life. Farmers, mechanics, teachers, cooks, janitors, all were part of the great martial machine. Each individual cog trained to perform his or her duties with maximum discipline and efficiency. As a result, the Sith had been able to conquer and enslave world after world in the unexplored regions of the galaxy until their power and influence rivaled those of their glorious past. Another burst of lightning split the sky, momentarily illuminating the massive citadel that loomed over Koss City. Built by slaves and devoted followers, the citadel served as both palace and fortress, an unassailable meeting place for the Emperor and the twelve hand-picked Sith Lords who made up his Dark Council. A decade earlier, when Scourge had first arrived on Dromund Koss as a young apprentice, he had bowed to one day set foot inside the Citadel's exclusive halls. Yet in all his years of training at the Sith Academy on Koss City's borders, he had never been granted the privilege. He had been one of the top students, 
marked by his superiors for his strength in the force and his fanatic devotion to the ways of the Sith. But acolytes were not permitted inside the Citadel. Its secrets were reserved for those in direct service to the Emperor and the Dark Council. The dark side power emanating from within the building was undeniable. He'd felt the raw, crackling energy every day during his years as an acolyte. He had drawn on it, focusing his mind and spirit to channel the power through his own body to sustain him during the brutal training sessions. Now, after almost two years away, he was back on Dromund Kos. Standing on the landing pad, he could once again feel the dark side deep inside his bones. The sizzling heat more than compensating for the minor discomfort of the wind and rain. But he was no longer a mere apprentice. Scourge had returned to the seat of Imperial power as a full-fledged Sith Lord. He had known this day would come eventually. After graduating from the Sith Academy, he had hoped for a posting on Dromund Kos. Instead, he had been sent to the fringes of the Empire to help quell a series of minor rebellions on recently conquered worlds. Scourge suspected the posting had been a punishment of some type. One of his instructors, jealous of the star pupil's potential, had probably recommended that he be stationed as far from the seat of imperial power as possible to slow his ascent to the upper ranks of Sith society. Unfortunately, Scourge had no proof to back his theory. Yet even exiled to the uncivilized sectors on the farthest borders of the Empire, he had still managed to forge his reputation. His martial skills and ruthless pursuit of the rebel leaders caught the notice of several prominent military leaders. Now, two years after leaving the academy, he had returned to Dromund Kos as a newly anointed Lord of the Sith. More important, he was here at the personal request of Darth Nyriss, one of the most senior members of the Emperor's Dark Council. Lord Scourge! A figure called out over the wind, running up to greet him. I am Setchel. Welcome to Drummond Kos. Welcome back, Scourge corrected, as the man dropped to one knee and bowed his head in a gesture of respect. This is not my first time on this world. Setchel's hood was pulled up against the rain, covering his features. But during his approach, Scourge had noticed the red skin and dangling cheek tendrils that marked him as a pure-blood Sith, just like Lord Scourge himself. But while Scourge was an imposing figure, tall and broad-shouldered, this man was small and slight. Reaching out, Scourge sensed only the faintest hint of a force in the other, and his features twisted into a sneer of revulsion. Unlike the humans that made up the bulk of the Empire's population, the Sith species were all blessed with the power of the Force to varying degrees. It marked them as the elite. It elevated them above the lower ranks of Imperial society, and it was a legacy that was fervently protected. A pure blood born without any connection to the Force was an abomination. By custom, such a creature could not be suffered to live. During his time at the Academy, Lord Scourge had encountered a handful of Sith whose power in the Force was noticeably weak. Hampered by their failing, they relied on the influence of their high-ranking families to find them postings as low-level aides or administrative officials at the Academy, where their handicap would be least noticed. Spared from the lower castes only by their pure-blood heritage, in Scourge's eyes, they were barely better than slaves. Though he did have to admit that the more competent ones could have their uses. But never before had he encountered one of his own kind with as feeble an attunement to the Force as the man huddled at his feet. 
The fact that Darth Nyrus had sent someone so vile and unworthy to greet him was unsettling. He'd expected a more substantial and impressive welcome. Get up, he snarled, making no effort to conceal his disgust. Setchel quickly scrambled to his feet. Darth Nyrus sends her apologies for not coming to meet you personally, he said quickly. There have been several attempts on her life recently, and she only leaves her palace under the rarest of circumstances. I'm well aware of her situation, Scourge replied. Yes, my lord, Setchel stammered. Of course, that's why you're here. Excuse my stupidity. A crash of thunder nearly drowned out Setchel's apology, heralding an increase in the storm's intensity. The driving rain started to come down in stinging sheets. Were your master's instructions to leave me standing here in this downpour until I drowned? Scourge demanded. F forgive me, my lord. Please, follow me. We have a speeder waiting to take you to the domicile. A short distance from the spaceport was a small landing pad. A constant stream of hovercats was landing and taking off, the preferred way for those of the lower ranks who couldn't afford their own speeder to traverse the city. As was typical at a busy spaceport, a thick crowd surrounded the base of the landing pad. Those just arriving quickly fell into the queues waiting to hire a driver, moving with the disciplined precision that was a hallmark of Imperial society. Of course, Lord Scourge had no need to step into the line. While some of the crowd cast sharp glances at Setchel as he tried to force a pass through, the throng quickly parted upon catching sight of the towering figure behind him. Even with his hood drawn against the rain, Scourge's black cape, his spiked armor, his dark red complexion, and the lightsaber prominently displayed at his side clearly marked him as a Sith Lord. The individuals in the crowd showed a wide variety of reactions to his presence. Many were slaves or indentured servants out running errands for their masters. They wisely kept their eyes fixed on the ground, careful not to make eye contact. The enlisted, the ranks of ordinary individuals conscripted into mandatory military service, snapped smartly to attention, as if waiting for Scourge to inspect them as he passed by. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. The subjugates, the cast of off-world merchants, traders, dignitaries, and visitors from planets not yet granted full status in the Empire, stared with a mixture of wonder and fear as they stepped quickly aside. Many of them bowed as a sign of respect. On their homeworlds, they might be rich and powerful, but here on Dromund Kos, they were well aware that they ranked only slightly above the servants and slaves. The only exception to the rule was a pair of humans, one male, the other female. Scourge noticed them standing at the foot of the stairs leading up to the landing pad, stubbornly holding their ground. They were wearing expensive clothes, matching red pants and tops trimmed with white, and both clearly wore light armor beneath their outfits. Dangling from the man's shoulder was a large assault rifle, and the woman had a blaster strapped across each hip. However, the two humans were clearly not part of the military, as neither displayed the official imperial insignia or any indication of rank on their garb. 
It wasn't unusual for subjugate mercenaries from other worlds to visit Droland Koss. Some came seeking profit, hiring their services out to the highest bidder. Others came to prove their value to the Empire in the hope of one day being granted the rare privilege of full Imperial citizenship. But mercenaries typically reacted with deference and humility when confronted with someone of Scourge's rank. By law, Scourge could have them imprisoned or executed for even a trifling offense. Judging by their confrontational behavior, they were blissfully unaware of this fact. As the rest of the crowd parted, the mercenaries remained in place, staring defiantly at Scourge as he approached. The Sith Lord bristled at the continued lack of respect. Setchel must have felt it as well, because he quickly rushed ahead to confront the pair. Scourge didn't slow his pace, but neither did he make a move to catch up with the scurrying servant. At this distance, he couldn't hear what was being said over the wind and rain. But Setchel was speaking frantically, gesturing and waving his arms while the humans stared at him with cold contempt. Finally, the woman nodded, and the pair slowly moved out of the way. Satisfied, Setchel turned and waited for Scourge to arrive. A thousand apologies, my lord, he said as they mounted the steps. Some subjugates lack a proper understanding of our customs. Perhaps they need me to remind them of their place, Scourge growled. If that is your wish, my lord, Setchel said. However, I must remind you that Darth Nyris is expecting you. Scourge decided to let the matter drop. They climbed into the waiting speeder, Setchel at the controls. Scourge settled into the luxurious seat, pleased to note that the vehicle had a roof. Many of the hover cabs were open to the elements. The engines engaged, and they rose to a height of 10 meters before the speeder accelerated, leaving the spaceport behind. They rode in silence, drawing ever closer to the massive citadel that stood at the heart of Koss City. But Scourge knew this was not their destination today. Like every member of the Dark Council, Darth Nyrus was allowed access to the Emperor's Citadel. In the wake of two recent assassination attempts, however, Scourge fully expected her to stay within the walls of the personal stronghold she maintained on the outskirts of Koss City, surrounded by her most trusted staff and servants. This didn't strike Scourge as cowardly in any way. Nyrus was simply being practical. Like any high-ranking Sith, she had many enemies, until she discovered who was behind the assassination attempts, exposing herself unnecessarily was a foolish and unwarranted risk. Yet her practicality had to be balanced against the understanding that her rank was based solely on strength. If Nyrus appeared weak or ineffective, if she was unable to take firm and decisive action against whoever was plotting her death, others would sense it. Rivals, both off and on the Dark Council, would prey on her situation, leveraging her vulnerable position to their own advantage. Darth Nyrus would not be the first of the Emperor's inner circle to lose her life. That was why Scourge was here, to root out the secret masterminds behind the assassinations and destroy them. Given the importance of his mission, he couldn't understand why Nyrus hadn't sent a full honor guard to escort him through the city. She should want everyone to know of his arrival. He was proof that steps were being taken to solve her problem. A warning to any other rivals who might be emboldened by the recent attempts on her life. Keeping his arrival almost secret served no purpose. At least none Scourge could see. They passed by the Emperor's citadel and made their way to the western edge of the city. 
After several more minutes, Scourge felt the speeder begin to slow as Setchel brought it in for a landing. We're here, my lord, Setchel said as the vehicle touched down. They were in a large courtyard. High stone walls stood to the north and south. The east end was open to the street. The west was bordered by what Scourge assumed was Darth Nyrus's stronghold. In many ways, the building resembled the Emperor's citadel, though on a significantly smaller scale. The architectural similarities were more than just an homage to the Emperor. Like his citadel, this building would serve both as Nyrus's dwelling and as a fortress she could fall back to in times of trouble. And it had been designed to be simultaneously ornate, imposing, and easily defensible. The courtyard itself was populated by half a dozen large statues, each several meters wide at the base and easily twice as tall as Scourge. The two largest depicted humanoids in Sith robes, a male and a female. They stood with their arms raised slightly forward, their hands palms up. The man's face was hidden by a hood, the common depiction of the Emperor. The woman had her hood thrown back to reveal fierce Sith features. If the sculptor's work was accurate, Scourge knew this was his first glimpse of what Darth Nyrus actually looked like. The other statues were abstract pieces, though each incorporated Nyrus's household emblem, a four-pointed star inside a wide circle. The ground was covered with fine white pebbles. A rare type of lichen that thrived in the gloom of Dromund Kos had been planted in decorative patterns throughout the stone the faint purple glow providing a ghostly illumination. A smooth path of finished stone led from the massive double doors that marked the entrance of the stronghold through the center of the courtyard and out to the small landing pad where their speeder had touched down. Setchel scrambled out of the vehicle and raced around to open the exit hatch on the other side for his passenger. Scourge stepped out the speeder and into the rain, which had lessened only slightly during their journey. This way, my lord, Setchel said, heading down the path. Scourge followed him, fully expecting the doors to swing wide at their approach. To his surprise, the entrance remained sealed. Setchel didn't seem taken aback, however. Instead, he turned to the small hollow screen on the side and pressed the call button. A flickering image materialized on the hollow screen, a human male of about 40. He appeared to be wearing the standard uniform of an Imperial security officer, and Scourge surmised he was the head of Nyrus's personal guard. Our guest has arrived, Murtog, Setchel explained, nodding in Scourge's direction. Did you verify his identity? Murtog asked. What are you talking about? Setchel stammered. How do we know this is the real Lord Scourge? How do we know this isn't another assassin? The question seemed to catch Setchel completely off guard. I don't... I mean, he seems to be... That is... I'm not letting him in until I have proof. Setchel glanced back over his shoulder at Lord Scourge, his expression a mix of humiliation and fear. Then he leaned in close to the holocom and, in a low voice, said, This is completely inappropriate. You've overstepped your authority. I'm the security chief, Murtaugh reminded him. This is completely within my authority. Just give me five minutes to confirm everything's on the up and up. Scourge stepped forward, grabbing Setchel by the shoulder and yanking him aside. You dare insult me by making me wait out in the rain like some beggar? He spat at the screen. I am a guest. 
Dothniris herself invited me. Murtaugh barked out a sharp laugh. <laughs> you might want to check your facts on that. The hollow screen clicked off abruptly. Scourge turned around to find Setchel cowering against the wall. I'm sorry, my lord, he said. Murtaugh has become somewhat paranoid since... Scourge caught him off. What did he mean when he told me to check my facts? Was I invited by Darth Nyrus or not? You were. Of course you were. Sort of. So let's stop right here because they're talking about Dromenkos at the beginning of this chapter. Now, Dromenkos is the home world of the Sith. Now, during the hyperspace wars, the Jedi were wiping the Sith out and the Sith had to retreat. So they retreated back to Dromenkos. Now, Dromenkos is a Force-sensitive planet. It's one of those planets that's full of dark side force and that's where they all originated from. So as the Jedi were wiping out the Sith and they retreated back here, the Emperor made the call and said, let's go back here. Now they talk a little bit about the Emperor and let's just go over the Emperor a little bit. This dude is a thousand years old. This dude is old, but he's super powerful. They talk a little bit about Dark Council, his personal council members, and that's where Darth Nyrus comes in. Darth Nyrus is one of the 12 councils and there's been attempts on their life. So that's why Scourge is here. So Central is here picking up Scourge. It's raining, it's, you know, it's coming down. Central's just sitting there talking to Scourge. Scourge is like, why you just had me sitting out here in the rain? What's wrong with you? So they give a pretty good description of what the Sith look like. They are described as having red skin and cheek tendrils. Another thing that I found interesting is if they have little to no force abilities, they are considered inferior. So let's take a quick look at Lord Scourge. He seems to be a nice guy, one of those guys that just likes to give warm hugs. Not even close when describing this Dark Lord of the Sith. The way he talks is like he is constipated, and it just seems like everything he says is with contempt, with a buttload of anger. But what can you expect? He is a Dark Lord of the Sith. He has risen to the ranks fast in the Sith Empire. Then we have Setchel. Now Setchel, this is a special character. He is one of those Sith that don't have a lot of Force abilities. But his cunning has allowed him to get in good graces with Darth Nyrus, one of the members of the Dark Council. As her advisory, he has gained a comfortable lifestyle. So basically, Setchel picks up Lord Scourge. They go to lead the thing. They're walking to the speeder or whatever. They run into a couple assassins. You know, Setro goes up, talks to him, you know, tries to figure out what's going on, gets him out of the way. Lord Scourge just wants to cut him down. And that's about where we're at right now. Let's move on to the next part. Scourge raised his hand towards Setro and reached out to the force. The servant began to gasp and clutch at his throat as his body was lifted slowly up into the air by an invisible hand. You will tell me what is going on, Scourge said, his voice devoid of all emotion. You will tell me everything, or you will die. Do you understand? Setchel tried to speak, but could only cough and sputter. Instead, he nodded frantically. Satisfied, Scourge released his hold. Abruptly, Setchel dropped the full meter to the ground where he landed in a heap, grunting in pain before scrambling to his knees. It wasn't Darth Nyrus's idea to hire you, he explained, his voice still raw and rough from the choking. After the second assassination attempt, the Emperor suggested that her own people could be involved. He suggested she bring someone in from the outside. Suddenly it all made sense. The Emperor's will was absolute. A suggestion from him was a de facto order. Darth Nyrus had invited him here because she had no choice. 
Skirts had assumed he was an honored guest. But in actuality, he was nothing but an interloper. His presence was an insult to her loyal followers and a reminder that the Emperor doubted her ability to deal with the assassins herself. That was why he'd received such a meager reception and why Nyrus's security chief had reacted to him with such hostility. Scourge realized he was in a precarious situation. His efforts to investigate the assassinations would be met with resistance and suspicion. Any mistakes, even those that were not his fault, would be blamed on him. A single misstep could spell the end of his career, or even his life. He was still pondering this new information when he heard a speeder approaching through the storm. The sound was innocuous, but it instantly put his senses on high alert. His heart began beating rapidly, and his breathing quickened. A rush of adrenaline caused his cheek tendrils to twitch and his muscles to tense. He drew his lightsaber and glanced up at the sky. At his feet, Satchel cried out and covered his face, assuming the lightsaber was meant for him. Scourge ignored him. In the darkness of the storm, he could just make out the speeder's silhouette heading straight for them. He reached out with the force, probing the vehicle and its passengers. He felt a bolt of anger rip through him as his suspicions were confirmed. Whoever was in the speeder was coming to kill him. All of this from Scourge's first awareness of the speeder to confirmation of its hostile intent took less than two seconds. Time enough for the speeder to close the distance and come bearing down on him. Scourge leapt to the side as a barrage of blaster fire was unleashed from the vehicle. He hit the ground in a roll that brought him to his feet just in time to spring clear of a second series of bolts. Moving with the blinding speed of the force, he raced across the courtyard, bolts ricocheting off the ground just behind him every step of the way. He dived behind the cover of the Emperor's statue, his mind assessing the situation. The speeder had to be equipped with an auto-targeting blaster cannon. There was no other way the shots could have tracked him so closely on his desperate run for cover. Even a Sith Lord couldn't evade that kind of firepower forever. He had to disable the vehicle. The speeder was heading away from him, circling around for another strafing run. Before it could complete its turn, Scourge stepped out from behind the statue and launched his lightsaber across the courtyard. The crimson blade went spiraling through the night, tracing a wide, looping arc. It clipped the back end of the speeder, sending up a shower of spark and flame, and continued on its trajectory to return to Scourge's outstretched hand. The hum of the speeder's engine pitched into a screaming whine as it completed its turn. Black smoke, barely visible against the dark clouds, billowed out from the rear engine. The vehicle began to lurch and wobble, losing altitude rapidly, even as it opened fire yet again. Scourge ducked back behind the Emperor's statue, pressing his back firmly against it as a shower of bolts rained down on him. A second later, the speeder flew overhead, its angle of attack dropping so steeply it actually decapitated the statue he was hiding behind. The heavy stone head toppled down toward him, forcing Scourge to break cover to avoid being crushed. At the same time, he saw the speeder slam into the ground. Emergency repulsor fields absorbed the impact, saving the vehicle from being smashed to bits. But it still hit hard enough to send a piece of the damaged engine flying. Holding his lightsaber high above his head with both hands, Scourge charged the downed speeder. Two passengers scrambled from the wreckage, shaken but unharmed. Scourge was only mildly surprised to recognize the two red-clothed mercenaries he'd encountered on the speeder pad back near the spaceport. The male was on the far side of the speeder, struggling to get his blaster rifle out of the wreckage. The female was on the near side, her blaster pistols already drawn. Scourge was less than five meters away when she opened fire. 
he didn't bother trying to block the bolts. Instead, he launched himself upward, his forward momentum carrying him in a high, somersaulting leap that arced over both the woman and the damaged speeder. The sudden move caught her off guard, and though she fired several hurried shots, none hit him. Twisting 180 degrees as he flew through the air, he landed on the other side of the speeder, right beside the male mercenary just as the man was bringing his own weapon to bear. Before he could fire, Scourge slashed his lightsaber diagonally across his enemy's torso. As the man's corpse toppled to the ground, Scourge turned his attention back to the first mercenary. By this time, she had spun to face him, and as her partner went down, she unloaded another series of shots, forcing Scourge to duck behind the speeder for cover. This time, several of her blasts found their mark. Scourge's armor absorbed the worst of the attack, but he felt a searing pain in his shoulder as a small amount of the particle beam energy found its way through a joint in his armor to scorch his flesh. He focused on the pain, transforming it into anger to fuel the force for a savage counterattack. At the same time, instinctively, he drew upon his opponent's fear, adding it to his own passion and further amplifying the power he was gathering. Channeling his rage, he unleashed a concentrated wave of energy that struck the woman square in the chest. The impact lifted her off her feet and sent her flying backward through the air. Her journey was cut short when she slammed against the base of one of the abstract statues. The sudden stop jarred the pistols from her hands, leaving her momentarily defenseless. Scourge placed one hand on the hood of the speeder and vaulted over it, rushing to close in on his prone foe before she could regain her footing. But the mercenary was quick. She scrambled to her feet and pulled out a short electro rod, its tip crackling with a charge potent enough to knock an opponent unconscious with even a grazing blow. Scourge pulled up short. The mercenary dropped into a fighting crouch, and the two combatants circled each other warily. Had he wanted to, Scourge could have ended the encounter right then and there. Without her pistols, electro-rod or not, the mercenary had no chance against a Sith Lord with a lightsaber. But killing her wouldn't get him what he really wanted. Tell me who hired you, and I'll let you live, he said. Do I look that stupid, she countered fainting and making a quick lunge that Scourge easily sidestepped. You're obviously skilled, he told her. I can use someone like you. Tell me who hired you, and I'll let you work for me. That or throw your life away. She hesitated, and for an instant, Scourge thought she might drop her weapon. And then, the night was shattered by the sound of multiple blaster carbines. The bolts hammered the mercenary in the back, sending her stumbling toward Scourge. He saw a look of total bewilderment on her face as she sank to her knees. Her mouth moved, but no words came out. Then she fell face down in the gravel, dead. Turning, Scourge saw half a dozen guards standing in the courtyard near the door leading into the stronghold. Among them was a human wearing a commander's uniform. He was short, broad-shouldered, and barrel-chested, with close-cropped blonde hair and a neatly trimmed blonde beard that contrasted sharply with his dark brown skin. Scourge recognized him from the hollow. Murtog, Darth Nyrus's head of security. Before Scourge could say anything, Setchel exclaimed, About time you got here! He was still cowering against the wall, in nearly the exact place Scourge had left him after the brief interrogation that had preceded the ambush. Get up, Murtaugh told him, and the Sith lackey did as ordered. Clean this mess up, Murtaugh snapped at his guards, who scrambled to obey. 
satisfied. The security chief slung his weapon over his shoulder and nodded in Scourge's direction. Darth Nyrus will see you now. Okay, as we just heard, Scourge is no punk. These little assassins thought that they could just run up on a Sith Lord and do whatever. And you must give it up to them. They did get one shot off the hit Scourge. So they can at least say that they did that. Okay, they can't say anything because they are dead. So then we can move on to Murtaugh. And this dude is fishy. Head of security, my big toe. It seemed like he might be the man behind the whole thing. Why would you shoot one of the assassins right when they were going to give up? Just doesn't make sense to me. We will have to see how this dude plays out. Central, just a crying, whining punk that just ran and hid while Scourge did all the work. But something that caught my attention was that the assassins only went after Scourge. They didn't even try to get into Nyrus's palace. Something to think about. You know, it's just a little bit crazy. Why wouldn't they try to get in and be a little bit more discreet? No, they attacked Scourge. I just thought that was a little bit crazy. So just something to think about. And that's where we're going to leave it today. To see what happens in Chapter 2, you will have to join us next episode. So until then, keep your eyes on the sky. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.